Merry Christmas, everybody. Please enjoy episode 148 if we got this with Mark and Hal. But first, just a quick word. Uh, you're such a gift to us, the listeners, the community that's built around this show. Mark and I are so proud of, of what we do and that you're a part of it. And it just means so much to us. And, and I hope whatever you celebrate that you are having a great holiday season. And if you don't celebrate anything, I hope you're having just a great day. Anyway, Bay Area, we'll see you January 14th for our live show. That's SF Sketchfest for more info. And if you feel like giving us yet another gift in addition to your friendship and listenership, go leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. Those reviews are important. The more we get, the closer we get to more merch for all of you guys outside of our poster that is in the Max Fun store. And now without any further ado, here's episode 148 of We Got This with Mark and Hal. Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Best Doctor Who. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcasts should have a theme song. Podcasts should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. Run. That was a quote <laughs> from Doctor Who that was not fed to me by our guest, Joseph Scrimshaw. How? But I came up with on my own. I feel like this is about to be... The only episode so far of We Got This where clearly we don't got this. Listen, you, the listeners, wanted this. You were like, who's the best doctor? And Mark's like, let's do every doctor that isn't Doctor Who. And we did that. And people were like, we want best doctor. Well, guess what? We're you- doing best who. It's Cindy Lou. <laughs> <laughs> Asked and answered. <laughs> no, no. No, we brought in, we brought in an expert. Yes. Uh, you know him from Obsessed. You know him from everything that you're going to plug at the end. Anything you want to plug up front? No, no. I'll do all my plugging at the end. Great. After I've earned it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, podcast master Joseph Scrimshaw is with us and an expert on, uh, the Doctor Who franchise. Thank you for being here. I am thrilled to be here on your couch. This is very exciting. Is the first problem that he called it a franchise? No, or is I that correct? I think that's fair. Yeah, sure. Yeah. How dare you? Yeah. All right. Who's I'm... the best Doctor Who? <laughs> so the character of Doctor Who. <laughs> um... It's hotly debated. It's hotly debated because in several versions of the credits, he is listed as Doctor Who. So really? some really? people who want to be double pedantic, oh man, argue that it is okay to call him Doctor Who because <laughs> the show itself has called him Doctor. Ah, Who. dang it! This bit is not going to work then of me calling <laughs> no, him Doctor Who for the whole. Still going to be fingernails on a chalkboard for plenty of people. <laughs> one of my favorite things about Doctor Who is like, let's create a science fiction show for people who are traditionally pedantic, and then let's name the show almost the main character's name, but not quite. <laughs> That's perfect. Um, so tell us about your – tell us your CV of Doctor Who. Uh, uh, of what it is or my own no, relationship. No, your own personal relationship to Doctor my Who. My own relationship with it is not only do I love the show because it has all of the this uh, uh, just audacity to be mm-hmm. – we're going to tell the whole story of all of time and space on a relatively low budget. Yeah. We don't care. Let's go for it. And it's always a show about hope and kindness and all those great things, scary monsters. But for me, it was my first fandom that I had to like physically defend almost. Like, really? I liked Star Wars and I liked superheroes, but so did plenty of other kids. But it was the first one where, like, it physically got me assaulted in school. Really? Yes. Really? I thought because now I feel like maybe it's just the world that I've lived in for so long. Like, um, I was over at, uh, Audrey Kearns and Brian Bradley's yeah. recording a thing and who say hello, by the way. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> and not to you, Hal, to, uh, Joseph. <laughs> no, I understand. Um, and she's got on a Doctor Who, uh, uh, TARDIS cardigan. Yeah. Like, there's so, like, I see TARDISes everywhere. It is a different world now than okay. when I found it, you know? So, so it's not just that I have entered this world, it's this world has expanded and become super cool. Massively. What is, you know, referred to now as the classic series, which mm-hmm. is, you know, for our purposes of debating the Doctor, that's the first Doctor through the seventh, and then the eighth is a debate, because everything's got to be a debate. Uh, and then there's the, the new series starting with the ninth. Right, and, and that was uh, that, Eccleston onward. Eccleston onward, right. and that blew up into true and like perfectly dovetailed with uh, pop culture exploding, right, right, and becoming really mainstream. And like 
the thought from my perspective of going into a hot topic the scary place where the goths buy their jewelry <laughs> that there'd be like a, a yeah, doctor my mother Uskar. thought that was the devil store yeah right like that's entering you know you go into the mall but then you can enter satan's mouth and you will be in hot topic you know uh the it has just become so mainstream but when i found it as a kid it was just this mysterious thing that was on late at night on the sesame street channel on now, like, when you know you, public television when you were right. watching it as a kid were these old episodes because how what was the gap between the first eight doctors or seven, whatever. The, yeah. Uh, and when Eccleston took over. I started watching in 86. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, no, no, early, earlier than that, like 84. Okay. And it went off the air in uh, 89. So like okay. I had I had a lot of stuff that I was watching. Like on Friday night, it was older episodes. And then on Saturday night, it was newer episodes. Right. Uh, it might have been 85. Uh, so then there was this huge gap where it was like, yeah, Doctor Who's dead and it's never coming back. And it was just this very weird thing. That was very hard to get into from an American perspective. The doctor is mostly a pacifist. He breaks that mm-hmm. sometimes, but a lot of the stories are about him trying to stop cool military dudes from blowing crap up. So <laughs> yeah. it's like the opposite of 18. It, it like, and <laughs> yeah, I, I can see how that went off the air in the United States in the eighties. Yeah. So you had to be like an, like you, like Star Wars was the most popular thing in the world in the exactly early eighties right. and you were still right. like, if you know Jabba the Hutt's name, you're kind of a nerd, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. right? It, this was like taking that but, to, to such an extreme. But to there be a fan were of still Doctor over 800 episodes of this. Star Wars had th- at that point three movies. You yeah, had, you had a six-hour time devotion <laughs> to this thing that is great to get on board with it. But to that point, oh, I just—it's edited out. But I know I just hit the dog clicker. This part's in. <laughs> And I've never seen your eyes get that big before, Joseph. We know each other for several years now. I knew what you were doing, but it's just such a funny mechanism to have a dog clicker in your hand. It looks like I'm I'm training the microphone. (laughs) Now you've trained me. I'm going to be afraid that if I say something stupid, I'll just hear the dog clicker. No. (laughs) Hal's going to edit that out. It's that old uh, old David Ives uh, uh, (laughs) new new choice. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Ding, sure thing. (laughs) Exactly. But but what I was going to say to that point was, uh, you know, now – Mark goes over to, to Audrey and Brian's home and Audrey's wearing a, a TARDIS sweater and their TARDIS dresses and mm-hmm. people go to Comic-Cons dressed as David Tennant or Matt Smith. And now hopefully women who also crossplay will be able to dress up as Jodie Whittaker or whatever that uh, costume winds up being. But as a kid, my father watched Doctor Who. So I grew up with with um, Tom Baker yeah. as Doctor Who. But I was afraid of the show. Because the end credits, the song scared me. <laughs> I was like three years old. It's too creepy. But there wasn't a ton of of costumes. I would just be like, why is Colin wearing a top hat? <laughs> like he was the only person – there was only one kid my age, Colin Webb, who I knew that liked Doctor Who. But I knew how he was dressing up. It just seemed odd to me at the time. So I was like, nobody our age likes Doctor Who. Do they? Do they like Doctor Who? Like it, it – because it always felt dark and scary. Star Wars felt young and jokey and accessible. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a big part of Doctor Who, especially in the Tom Baker era, has an element of horror. And it was scary for a lot of the time in Britain. It, you know, the, mm-hmm. the phrase of watching behind the sofa, like people from right. Britain understand as Doctor Who was legitimately terrifying. And when you watch it today, you can see the intent to make it terrifying. And sometimes, uh, for, I mean, for the classic series, the new yeah. series is legitimately scary. Sure. Special effects. But like, uh, it's just a reminder that in order to watch the classic series, it's sort of like traveling in time because it was just such a yeah. different production style. It, it, like basically the BBC was set up to like build a stage and film a soap opera <laughs> or Shakespeare. And then those same yeah. people were like, aliens in time travel. Right. We, we can do that. It, so it's impressive for when it was created and you get that result from people who grew up with it. Like I've met people at mm-hmm. conventions who grew up in the 60s and like, yes, that thing that looks so cheesy and fakey to you now, it terrified me and I legitimately hid behind the sofa to watch the rest of the episode. Yeah, I remember just – not the older episodes, just the theme song obviously was scaring me then. But the first Christopher, the first Christopher Eccleston episode – has like living mannequins. Yeah, that and episode is ter- those mannequins terrifying. are terrifying in that episode. And those it's are from the scary. classic series. The- those yeah. those are yeah. See, I, I've never seen. I've watched several of the new series uh, episodes, but I never saw any of the classic series. That to me, you mentioned that being scary to you. That to me did not seem too scary <laughs> as a kid. It seemed so overly British. Right. Oh, really? I was like, this show is 
not for me when I was a kid because like I would it, I would hear English accents and I would think this show's gonna be way too smart for me. <laughs> <laughs> like they're going to use big words. This is I'm not going to understand what's happening. Oh uh, yes, yeah, and yeah. it is very very British. I used to have this actual fantasy when I was a kid that the bullies would have an epiphany that they were too dumb to understand it, and they would come to me and say, please, please, can you explain Doctor Who? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the ultimate nerd fantasy. That the bullies will want you to do their Doctor Who homework? Yeah, because yeah, like, we admit it. It's too yeah. smart for us. We can't get it. Can you explain it, Joseph? Like, I was no bully, but it was too smart for me. <laughs> um, so... Let's. This is as deep cut as I can get. Yeah. I assume we're not going to count Peter Cushing's movies. No. Yeah. We got to stay those. in the. the we're canon not counting of Rowan the, Atkinson. Yeah. Not Curse of the Fatal Death. Yeah. Okay. We're not going to count Richard E. Grant and the the BBC radio dramas. Didn't he do the audio? Uh. Yeah. So yeah. He he did one specific. It gets really messy as soon as you get into it. So we're keeping it to like the main television show. Sure. I the main that's... the the first eight doctors and then Eccleston through what's your name Jody Whitaker Jody Whitaker and, and although it's Christmas Day mm-hmm. and you're listening to this on Christmas Day Ooh, Jody this Whittaker, is a Christmas episode yes this is this is the Christmas because traditionally the new doctor debuts on Christmas Day really? uh, no there's a new doctor special uh, on Christmas oh, Day damn it and several of the more recent regenerations great this right, is airing in been, January yeah but have Jody been Whittaker on a Christmas will episode. debut yes on Christmas yeah. Day so. We, we, she's recused from the running here. Absolutely. Because she has no body of work to judge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just so, her, her weird, awesome costume. Besides that, yeah. we're just picking white dudes right now. <laughs> yeah. Of varying ages. But we have weeded out a couple of white dudes. A couple sure. of white like, dudes. Not are... the Peter Cushing movies. Yes. And there are a couple of like, uh, there's a whole long series of audios, uh, the Big Finish audio series. Right. Which, you know, Uber fans will put that in. And there are a couple of those that are like, what if? So they've got cool people like David Warner playing the doctor, but right. he's like never officially been the doctor. Right. That kind of stuff. Can you, for us, go through, uh, yeah. let, just chronologically, uh, the, the, be, for, for those listeners who might not know Doctor Who, or for those hosts who might not know <laughs> a lot about Doctor Who, um, go through these first seven, and then we'll stop, and then we'll talk about number eight, and then we'll talk about the new ones. Okay, cool, yeah. Um, where did, where did this begin? Who is the first official Doctor? The first Doctor was played by William Hartnell. And he was played as this uh, very cranky, grumpy old man. He had this mysterious box of the TARDIS. He had a granddaughter. And then the very first episode, he basically kidnaps two of her teachers. Uh, <laughs> they, 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 they don't know what's going on with his super smart granddaughter. So they follow the, her back to her home. They encounter this cranky, eccentric guy. Mm-hmm. And they get in the TARDIS. And then he, he just kidnaps them. And, uh, that's not a plot divergence. That's an example of his character. Oh, wow. uh, like, yeah, so he's not, he, he's scientific mm-hmm. and he's intrigued and curious, but he's very grumpy and very alien and he's not the action star at all. He can't, he can barely do anything. Right. Okay. Like he gets knocked down by a hard wind. Uh, like that might actually be a plot point at some point. Uh, <laughs> a very a hard evil wind. Yeah, yeah. A hard evil wind. His I'm worst sure. enemy was a fan. It's <laughs> yeah. a good box fan. It, that was it. It'll take him over. Now, this was 1963 through 68. He did four seasons and 139 episodes. Yeah. That's so that's a lot. That's a, that's a hefty run. Yeah. Now, now describe, but before we go further into this, describe the character of the doctor. In general, in or- general, what that character is, he is a he time travels. He yes, is, he is from all different. He can be from any era. He can, I don't understand. <laughs> I just okay. love. I he just love reindeer. People who are listening who wanted this are just scratching at their speakers right now. Like, don't tell us what the doctor is. We know who the doctor is. And, uh, please so tell please me tell what us the doctor okay. is. who the doctor is. Mark, this is for the this how? is for the fans who like our food episodes. <laughs> what happens when a when a doctor and a doctor love each other very much? When a Time Lord is very sick of his home planet Gallifrey, when he feels okay. it has become too removed and too egalitarian, mm-hmm. he will steal a TARDIS. Uh, yeah, so that the Doctor, basically his backstory is he got frustrated with his home world, mm-hmm. Gallifrey. He wanted to see the world. He wanted to be able to meddle in time and space. There's uh, many times and moments where people could be rescued. There are other mm-hmm. fixed points that you can't change. And the Doctor is very much, he's an interventionist. He wants to get involved. He wants to help people. He's got this internal contrast that comes up again and again with these doctors where he is an alien who feels he is smarter and better than mm-hmm. everyone and can feel time. He can feel the earth moving when he is right. standing on it. 
and yet at the same time, he is the most compassionate person you've ever met who can talk to you for when three minutes. When he's not kidnapping you. When he's not kidnapping you. <laughs> and then he, he can just say, like, Mark, what's your favorite drink? And when you finish telling him your, the best cocktail you've ever had, he'll say, that's the whole story of the universe, of all time and space contained in Mark went out and had a great Manhattan. Oh, that's man. humanity. That's the universe. <laughs> I'm going to have a Manhattan tonight and think about that. <laughs> uh, but that's the central contrast of his character. Mm-hmm. Practically, he travels in time and space, and he fights monsters and right. runs away from his feelings. And the reason he is regenerated uh, time and time again is what? It is one of the m- many mysterious powers of the Time Lords. Okay. So the Time Lords get more and more defined as the series goes on, but there's always elbow room to give them more powers. But one of their powers is when their bodies get damaged or old, they have this internal energy and they regenerate into, uh, up to this point, a different white man. Right. <laughs> but now, can be somewhere. <laughs> now, originally this was a device that they had to use because they no longer had William Hartnell. Had he passed away? He was getting really uh, old and really having a hard time. Just you, you can watch it now as an adult and, and clearly yeah. see like, oh, wow, the doctor totally made up that line. That was not in the script. It's like <laughs> but, they, but they had to keep filming because they're on a time yeah, schedule. Like those, and that line was, no, thanks. I don't feel like running from here to there. <laughs> exactly. It's like those last couple Johnny Cash albums where you're like, oh, is this going to be the song where he drops in the middle of it? <laughs> all, he sa- all he sang about for two albums was how he's about to die. <laughs> I'm gonna die. Okay, Johnny, can we do another one of the other songs off this album? Sure. Death awaits me. I'm gonna regenerate. I'm coming back as Matt Smith. (laughs) So the first time they did it, it was a risk because they didn't know how it would work. Yes. Whether whether audiences would accept that, but then it became. Mm Yeah, and I met my first person. uh, uh, He's somebody who's written uh, for some of the Doctor Who novelizations. It told me at a convention uh, last year that he got mad. He's old enough to watch William Hartnell on TV and got mad. It's like, this next doctor is not my doctor and rage quit back in the 60s. So, you know, the proud tradition of geekdom has been going on for a long time. Good. (laughs) Uh, Now, you mentioned, uh, forgive my my ignorance, you mentioned uh, Time Lords plural. Yeah. There are other people from his home planet that are involved in the, in the stories. Yeah. Yeah. So like one of his main enemies is the master, uh, who recently regenerated into a woman and then she was, mm-hmm. uh, called Missy, uh, for, short for mistress, mm-hmm. uh, instead of the master. Uh, but yeah, we meet lots of different characters in his trials and travails with Gallifrey are a big part of the plot. Right. Because the only thing that, from what I have seen in my limited knowledge is just, he seemed always outside of whatever the story was, almost in like a Star Trek way of, this is the thing of the week that we have to solve. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. There's never any, any episodes like where, there are episodes where he'll spend some time on Gallifrey, but he's right. always an outsider. He always so never really ends up running serialized. away. No, not, never like hard serialization of the story. I'm sure there are elements that scatter throughout, but it was, it was a story of the week. The yeah. Week the for the most part, there are some seasons that have continuing and the right. third doctor, which we'll get to in a second, is serialized basically. Okay. Uh, so let's get back to yeah. what we were talking about. Yeah. So the, he, he regenerates into the second doctor and he's still not like a super action hero. He still has a companion. So the mm-hmm. doctor always has companions. Right. You know, people, usually humans traveling with him so he can explain stuff to them. Right. Sometimes a robot dog. Sometimes a robot dog. <laughs> that Do you that think other sidekicks awesome. in other properties are like, man, how come I gotta be called a sidekick? The doctor has a companion. <laughs> and yet Tonto's over here to the Lone Ranger like, what gives, bro? Sidekick, really? <laughs> it is a much more illustrious yeah, title, I it think. it is. I love that yeah. companion. I so know. anyway, sorry to keep Oh, no, please, please. It's your podcast. Interrupt me as much as you can. Uh, I, would, I welcome that. Uh, but yeah, the, so the second doctor is played by Patrick Troughton, and he is uh, kind of described as a cosmic hobo. He is much more funny. He is uh, a vuncular. Mm-hmm. He is much kinder. And uh, when he gets, uh, you know, frustrated with aliens, he just sort of like loses his temper in like a fun comic way. Uh, mm-hmm. And like his catchphrase is, oh, my giddy aunt. <laughs> like geez, horrible monsters will shoot at him and he'll he'll run away and he'll you know jump in this funny way and say oh my giddy aunt and, uh he he's really really charming mm-hmm. really lovable I that think was for, he did two seasons of the show and that uh, was 119 episodes yeah for uh for patrick troughton 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 patrick troughton yes and uh i met him i'm gonna say which ones i met if that's okay, okay. yeah yeah he was he, he did a signing at a convention in minneapolis uh you know back in the day and i remember he was eating a fish fillet 
from Burger King or oh. McDonald's. I can't remember which one. Oh. McDonald's is the filet o fish. It's filet o fish. So then it was Burger King. Right. Uh, have you done that episode? <laughs> <laughs> which fish burger is better? <laughs> We'd have to get Troughton for it. <laughs> have to get Troughton oh. for it. I just remember that. Like Troughton. I'm sorry. Troughton was eating a fish burger. <laughs> it was a bit on the nose. Yes. Sure. Yeah. I remember that uh, because it was the doctor eating Burger King. Uh, and still, it's like, it's amazing. It's the doctor. Uh, he's he's a, a big contender for me because he brought comedy to Doctor Who. Like, certainly there was some That's an witty lines. Element. But he brought it into the doctor's character that the doctor's super quirky and likes to have fun and likes people. Right. And that's something that's remained. So he's he's a lot of the DNA of the last few doctors comes from comes from his performance. Yeah, a lot of Matt Smith is back. is directly uh, Patrick Troughton. And David Tennant too a little bit, right? Because he's mm-hmm. kind of goofy. Yeah, but Matt Smith even more so. Like Matt okay. Smith has is on record saying, I love this mm-hmm. whimsical. But, you know, like, he's taking everything seriously. Right. Yeah. But, but he's just sort of like, oh, life's fun. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, also introduce the sonic screwdriver. I'm yes. just going to throw little tidbits that, thanks to Kate McManus, I now know. <laughs> In Fury from the Deep, I believe, the episode. Anyway. Um, all right. And, uh, so then after the, we're up to, uh, 1969, who took over in 1970? Uh, then that would be John Pertwee. Uh, and John Pertwee. The most British last name out of all of these. <laughs> For Pertwee. sure. And he, in a lot of ways, I mean, it's all British, but he is very, very British. So he was the first physically active doctor. So he knew Venusian Aikido. Oh, cool. So he was the one who started to step up and he didn't necessarily have to have, uh, and this is obviously, uh, not my sexism, but the past sexism of, uh, of this television show of there were always male companions before to do punching. Mm-hmm. And he was the first one who's like, I'll do the punching when needed. There's not mm-hmm. a ton of punching on Doctor Who. Um, but then he also gets serialized because the, uh, Time Lords punish him. Uh, for being a rogue time lord and intervening, mm-hmm. and they stick him on Earth. So he is trapped on Earth with this military group called Unit that okay. deals with alien threats. So he, to answer your question about the serialized, mm-hmm. he is serialized for quite a while. Okay. Where it's like a cast, right. uh, like a solid cast, and it changes a less week to week. Okay. All right, and he was there for uh, five seasons, 128 episodes. These guys are doing... Some serious numbers on this show. Like they're already, we're already up to almost four hundred episodes. Yeah, just three doctors. And and then the episodes, you know, this is serialized. So like the ep- four episodes would be one serial. So it'd be like one story. Right. Okay. So the serialization. But, but each episode would still be a half hour, an hour, or yeah, like twenty minutes. Great. Yeah. Okay. All right. So then after that, we go to uh, nineteen seventy four to nineteen eighty one. The longest serving uh, doctor. Uh, 172 episodes. This is Tom Baker. Yes. Tell us about Tom Baker. Oh, well, so Tom Baker is, I think, when people think of Doctor Who, or if they've mm. only ever heard of Doctor Who from a joke on The Simpsons, <laughs> <laughs> it's Tom Baker, because he was there forever. Uh, he has the iconic scarf and the hat. Uh, he Did he was... introduce the scarf and that, or was he the only one that wore them? Or Oh, did... yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Both doc- of those? Yeah. I oh, mean, okay. other doctors have had hats on and off. The sure. scarf. The scarf is The him. famous scarf. The yeah. long Doctor Who scarf. The right. iconic thing is Tom Baker. Tom Baker uh, played the doctor is truly alien. So he had a culmination of everything that had come before. He was mm. physically active. He could do, you know, punching and running, and it was very physical. He has a great sense of humor, but he was just and is just a weirdo. And he mm. just a very eccentric human being, and he would just do weird things all is the Tom time. Is Tom Baker an eccentric human being, or his version of the Doctor was? Oh my, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever meet him? Yes, uh, I went to his signing. I briefly uh, lived in London for for a few months uh, with my future wife Sarah, and we went to his signing. Uh, and he was doing uh, photos, and then he saw that Sarah was with me. Sarah is the name of one of his famous companions. So he asked me, "Oh, what what is?" Your partner's name. I was like, oh, it's Sarah. And he always says her name in this very specific way. So it was really fun for me. He's like, ooh, Sarah. Uh, (laughs) And he specifically asked to take a picture with her. And he's smiling real big. And I took a picture. And then as soon as I took it, I was like, this is weird. Because like, that's, that's the doctor. (laughs) And I love him. But 
if a random also, seventy-year-old man, yo. yeah, if a random seventy-year-old man was like, "Can I take a picture with your wife?" I wouldn't be like, "Yeah, that's so great." So I immediately asked Sarah, "Like, is this is this a, a thing? Is this okay?" And she's like, "Oh no, it's fine. It's also, fun, it is a fun and old charming." We're asking you and not her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he asked her if he could, if he could oh, take okay. the picture. He just asked me what what her name was, but still a little old school. And what was he eating from Burger King? <laughs> was it the onion rings? He was eating onion. Uh, there rings, was right? an air of sadness about. So oh, I think okay. that was from. Burger oh, so King. he's eating Arby's. Yeah, he's sure. eating Arby's. No. <laughs> no. I I think he was just not eating at all. I think he was just he was eating you know the what? love of the fans. You shouldn't be eating while, while your fans are there. You're going to get grease stains on their <laughs> nice artwork that they've brought for you to sign. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but I, I yeah, mean, hold on. Let me put this sand down on this uh, <laughs> sketch that you did. Yeah, so I, I think he is a huge contender because he is kind of everything that the doctor can be. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, to me, is yeah. the quintessential doctor, certainly of the classic era. And everybody, every single doctor that you're going to name is somebody's favorite doctor. Right. I don't yeah. think there's one that, no, even Davison, I think everybody likes all of the doctor's Everybody has a different favorite, but I think that Tom Baker is one of those that he it'd be hard to argue that he it'd be hard to argue against him being a yeah, finalist. Yeah, yeah, I would think so. It, now, yeah. th- it's a question that we use a lot on the show when we are trying to pick uh, the best of something uh, is we will use the most of something. Uh, would Tom Baker be a contender for he is? It sounds from this like while we, he's in contention for best uh, doctor. He is definitely, it sounds like, the most Doctor Who. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I think one of the things is he stayed for seven years. Mm-hmm. He is so committed in a great actor for the first half. The second half, it went to his head. He got frustrated, didn't <laughs> like some of the changes, and he just starts doing weird things to do weird things. Oh, like to sabotage the show? <laughs> Not quite sabotage, but you can just say just like... to make his own cool choices. Well, yeah. I mean, you guys both know as actors, you know, you know when you're doing a show and somebody's like, you're not doing the show. You're doing your own performance. Right. Like right. that sort of like, hey, what if for no reason I just laid down in this scene? Like <laughs> and the director's like, I don't think that serves this Shakespeare. Yeah. You know, like I don't think Polonius would lie down right now. <laughs> but you're like, I just no, I like did. It. I did once do uh, a performance of Aladdin where I played the genie completely in a British accent for no reason <laughs> other than I felt like doing the show in a British accent that day. In uh, high school, my freshman year, I did a show called Is There Life After High School where I had to do a monologue as a as a 15-year-old boy look like a 12-year-old boy. Uh, as But I was playing a high school graduate who was coming back and was telling off all the people who had ever wronged him mm-hmm. and the – the dialogue was changed to say your hot shot friends and your hot shot <laughs> girls or whatever. What was it originally? It was the it was the other S word, the bad one. And oh, I kept adding ooh. the curses back in over the course of the weekend of doing the show. <laughs> just one at a time? Just just for fun, didn't serve anything. <laughs> Wait, what this play was called Life After Is High School. Is there life after high school? Oh man, that's the most high school play. <laughs> yeah. Like we had one that was making the rounds when I was in high school called uh it was um voices from the high school. <laughs> like uh, that sounds like a Doctor Who episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Um so Tom Baker, let's move on yeah. to um Peter Davison. Not to be confused with Pete Davidson, who is wonderful on Saturday Night Live, <laughs> yes. but has never played the Doctor. Not yet. And, not yet. And he's not British, so we'll no, see. He's very American. So Peter Davidson, I think, uh, I think the first four Doctors, from my perspective, built on one another. And Peter Davidson was a change, because this is the first time they went younger. So oh, he was okay. younger than the Doctor had been, and he was the first Doctor to kind of play old soul in a younger body. He had a lot of younger companions on his TARDIS. Like, it varies how many companions the Doctor has. But at different times, the Fifth Doctor has, like, up to four. And there's sometimes he almost feels like this sort of babysitter who's just trying to keep them away from tragedy. Oh, so, wow. like, he has four a real... simultaneously. It's not always one companion at a time. No. Yeah, he would have multiple companions at once. Yeah, and there's even a little, a tiny little bit of soap opera where we actually, mm-hmm. like, within the TARDIS, see their bedrooms and things like that. They mm-hmm. give it just a little bit more weight. So he, uh, I read all the Doctor Who novelizations and they always describe him as open face. Okay. Is, is, like that, a turkey sandwich. Yeah. 
Okay. Does that now? I grew up just thinking that was a thing because I read it in Doctor Who books. But when I say open face, to I you guys, only what does think that of mean? A turkey sandwich. <laughs> yeah, I think a turkey, maybe a roast beef sandwich. Too. Yeah, I love roast. Yeah. Open so face sandwich, I guess so. the fifth Doctor is a a roast beef sandwich. He's a roast the beef most, sandwich. Yeah, he's the most delicious of the doctors. Yeah, he's the most delicious. He's the, of the doctor doctors. who tastes best with horseradish. It. He should also be noted for he uh, in the fourth Doctor's era there was a new uh, producer who started to go bigger with everything. Mm-hmm. So that's why we start getting the fifth Doctor's costume is just what a cricket player wears. And oh wow! <laughs> it's just a it's a cricket outfit, and then he has on his lapel a celery stock. And it was a deal was made by the actor. Mm-hmm. I'll just randomly wear a celery stock if at some point it can be explained why. And it was in his final episode <laughs> <laughs> right before he regenerated. Wow. So that's 69 a- episodes. He did three seasons fewer than these previous mm-hmm. three doctors. Um, that <laughs> why was it? Why did he wear the celery stock? Uh, it alerted him to a specific kind of thing he was allergic to. Oh, yeah. It was his canary in the coal mine. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> um, so after Pete Davison, we have from 1984, we're up to the eighties now, cause Tom Baker was there for so long. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're up to the eighties. It's now 1984 to 86, three seasons, 31 episodes. Colin Baker. Yeah. So Colin Baker, uh, is, I think, one of the doctors that has had the hardest time because he was the most, mm-hmm. uh, controversial. He, uh, has the costume that you might have seen that is designed to be jarring. To be painful because it's a patchwork quilt of just random colors. This I have seen, yes. Yeah, it is mm-hmm. bright and loud and painful. And uh, it, there was an attempt made to be like, what if the doctor wasn't right when he regenerated? So like when he first regenerates, at one point he tries to strangle his companion. So he was so he was <laughs> deliberately the doctor that regenerated poorly. Yeah. It's like, wow, that's some- a fun. It's a fun uh, thing for an actor to play. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's like, one of those you're things- going to be the doctor, but you're not going to be the best one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's one of those ideas you pitch like in a, in a writer's room. Like that's such yeah. a great idea, but not. But we shouldn't <laughs> do that, right? We're not going to do this because then it ends up being you know kind of not fun for your main character to be not great. Uh, so he had in there was a lot more violence with him. Uh, but and he played the doctor very brash, very arrogant, very full of himself. Okay. Uh, now moving on to the one doctor I've met, uh, at a, uh, at Dragon Con. Yeah. Uh, Sylvester McCoy. Same who's here. a lovely gentleman. Yes, he is. Not a tall guy. No. <laughs> He's a short little man. Yeah. Uh, uh, tell us about Sylvester McCoy, who was there for three seasons also, 42 episodes, 1987 to 89. Yeah. So, so Sylvester has, uh, uh, he, he harkened back a little bit to Patrick, Patrick Troughton. He had a real whimsical, mm-hmm. uh, air about him, you know, because of Sylvester McCoy's actual background. He played the spoons. Uh, and had a sense of like circus and flair about oh, wow. him, but then that gave <laughs> I away like this guy already. Yeah, so this is great. And then that gave away to, but he was the most like Machiavellian doctor, where suddenly things were revealed of like I've hidden a weapon on Earth for centuries because I know this <laughs> conflict's coming and I'm going to use it and reintroduce like some mystery to the doctor's past of like, well, you think you know everything about Galfrey and the Time Lords, but maybe. Who is the doctor? Did they change right. any of the any of the mythology of it, or did his doctor just add things to that mythology? He mostly added, but the mythology has always been time travel, so maybe something changed. Yeah, they well, can yeah very, that's true. They can easily retcon yeah. stuff. Let's pause for a second and just talk about uh, this this element of time travel to it. Um, how how often are they? Not in, uh, you say they travel through time and space. Yeah. Is there a, do, do some doctors prefer more time travel stuff and do some doctors prefer more space travel things where they are in the contemporary timeline or the contemporary, not timeline, but the contemporary times and they are just on different planets doing things? Yeah. Um, I think it comes down to the companions. Like okay. there are sometimes that if they have a story that involves being more locked into the companions, they'll spend more time on present day Earth because okay. they're always interacting with their companions. And then they have uh, a relationship with the budget. Uh, <laughs> like, Very good point. When when the series came back with the Ninth Doctor, there are a lot of episodes on Earth in places that just happen to look like Cardiff because that's where they filmed. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Great. So uh let's talk now about th- this ended you said it ended in 1989 the first eight doctors uh Sylvester McCoy the last or the or the seventh doctor yeah. ended with after seven doctors yeah 
Why is the eighth? Tell us about the eighth doctor and why he is controversial. Okay, so there's a 1996 TV movie that was a, a product of both the BBC and an American company. I can't remember which one uh, right now, but it was uh, aired on Fox. And imagine the perfect compromise between British and American aesthetics for 1996. So it is the most action a British television has ever seen. <laughs> it's an and the least merchant ivory film. Yeah. And the least interesting action Americans. They're, they're like, there's a motorcycle chase. And if you're, <laughs> if you're an old school fan of Doctor Who, it's like, Oh, why wow, he rode a motorcycle and he kind of pecked a woman on the lips a little bit. What? Ooh. And like from an American perspective in 1996, like, this is like two years after Pulp Fiction came out. We're not, you know, yeah. we're not blown we're away. stabbing chests with heroin <laughs> antidotes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the doctor himself, uh, uh, Paul McGann, is like very gothic, um, very optimistic and, and peaceful and, and loving and kind of excited to see the world with fresh eyes. Mm-hmm. And he goes on to have a massive career in the uh, Big Finish audio series. But oh, that's great. his. But that's his main, only main episode on television. That this actor went on to, yeah. to do yeah. this. Uh, great. So now we are moving into it's post nineteen eighty nine, post nineteen ninety six. Now, why is that controversial? Just because he did one TV movie with an American company, it wasn't an official like BBC serialized or series Doctor Who. It's controversial whether or not to include him with the to classic series or the new series, or is he his third own thing? Ah, right. It's really looking for something stupid to fight about. And doesn't John Hurt fall somewhere between seven and eight, or eight? Uh, or between it, eight and he nine. is between eight and nine. Okay, so also not going to be the best doctor, but he he doesn't appear until way later. Yeah, but he is in the canon of Doctor Who. He falls uh, before the the modern uh, the modern incarnation. Exactly, right before the fiftieth anniversary, they got Paul McGann, the Eighth Doctor, back to uh, shoot this little five minute thing where he regenerates into the War Doctor, John Hurt, who is. Mm a super violent version of the Doctor who just lives to fight the Daleks in the Time War. Right. Yeah. And he was, so he was the Doctor for five minutes of screen time? <laughs> one, one episode, yeah. yeah. One he episode. Came, yeah, he came, and then he came back, he was in the, in the, the three Doctor, when all 900 Doctors came together. Yeah. At the end. Anyway, I'm doing a great job describing this. Here's what I'm going to do an even better job of. We're going to take a break right now. Great. When we come back, we're going to go into the modern era, and then we're going to select the best Doctor who? You'll find out. After this. Hi, everybody. I'm Justin McElroy. And I'm Dr. Sydney McElroy. Every week, we release a medical history podcast called Sawbones. We go over the history of the dumbest, grossest, weirdest stuff humans have been doing to each other since the dawn of mankind. But it's a funny show. But it's also so disgusting and stomach-turning, you won't believe it. But it's also like... Funny. It's funny. It is the wildest, grossest, nastiest stuff you can imagine. It's a real hoot. It's called Sawbones, and we release it every week on iTunes, wherever podcasts are sold, and right here on MaximumFun.org. Hey, Max Fun listeners. It's Jesse, the founder of MaximumFun.org. I have some pretty incredible holiday news for you. So you remember last year's Max Fun Drive. We offered pins for all of our shows to folks who donated, and we agreed to donate all of the net revenue from the pins to the Los Angeles Regional Food Bank. Well, I, just yesterday, had the chance to hand a giant check to a representative from the food bank. You're not going to believe how much money you gave to give needy families food. Over $100,000. $100,365 to be specific. That means nearly half a million meals for families who need food this year. I'm really proud of every single Maximum Fund donor who made this possible. It's a remarkable achievement, a beautiful thing. It completely obliterated my idea and expectation of what we might be able to do this year. So, as you head into 2018, please be proud of what this amazing community did for hungry families in the Los Angeles area where Max Fun is based. If you'd like to keep the love rolling, go to lafoodbank.org slash maximum fun. That's lafoodbank.org slash maximum fun, and you can make a tax-deductible donation there. Every dollar that you give means four meals for needy families. 
Thanks to all of you who support everything that we do, and thanks for your incredible contribution to folks who need it here in our hometown. And we're back. And now Christopher Eccleston is the doctor, but only for one season. Yeah. And then he regenerates, which is super sad because he's amazing. Uh, he basically plays the doctor as a, a PTSD victim uh, because he's coming out of this yeah. time war. See, I think I saw I saw some Christopher Eccleston ones, and he didn't have a Doctor Who feel very much to me. And maybe it was because I had uh, right before that, or right around the time that I saw this scene, twenty eight days later, <laughs> where he is a he is also a horrific, uh, brutally uh, sadistic, but forced to be so because of a zombie apocalypse military guy. Yeah, and in this, he's got PTSD. His it feels more like a character Christopher Eccleston is playing. But he's as as a, it seems like a Christopher Eccleston to me. It seemed like, oh, here is a movie star who's playing this uh, character with PTSD and putting his version of it. Yeah, I mean, I think it doesn't feel as British and Doctor Who. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's the the new series is definitely trying to land on its feet by being mm-hmm. as popular as it can be. But he's really he incorporates a lot of the elements of previous Doctors, and if this mm-hmm. was. Not who's the best doctor, but who's my favorite doctor. I would it's fight Eccleston. for the ninth. He's amazing. He does such an amazing acting job. Um, he's a very good actor. He's yeah. He's Christopher Eccleston. He's yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I I liked Christopher Eccleston, and I don't I don't want to shortchange him too much in this episode. But I liked him until I saw David Tennant, and then I was like, oh, they've fully realized it now. And he has the, David David Tennant has every advantage coming into it. Not not to say he's a better actor than than Christopher yeah. Eccleston. Or anything like that. But by then, they'd figured out what the modern version was. They had more budget, so he goes into space. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I'm a, I like David Tennant a lot. Okay. Let's not, let, let's not dive into this quite yet. We're still going through our, our timeline of. Want to talk more about Destro? No, that was Arnold Bosley. <laughs> Who did he play? He was somebody in G.I. Joe. I think he was Destro. Uh, Christopher um, Eccleston? Yeah. I so, think, yeah, I think that's right. Maybe yeah. he was. Or maybe it was Arnold Bosley. Who knows? Wait, no. Was Christopher Eccleston playing Arnold Bosley? Is Arnold Bosley a character that Christopher Eccleston <laughs> Hal, plays? Hal, 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 you're spiraling. You're spiraling. That's right, I am. Spiraling up to the truth. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, so we mentioned, um, uh, Christopher Eccleston. We will come back to him. Uh, we know he's your favorite. Uh, let's talk about David Tennant. David Tennant came in. Uh, for three seasons, 47 episodes. Yeah. And David Tennant is responsible for Hot Topic. Put it that way. For, uh, David for- <laughs> Tennant is the one that made him super cool and, and. Yeah. Hip. Yeah. I mean, the, the return with Christopher Eccleston was successful, but David Tennant playing it with so much youth. David Tennant was really inspired by Peter Davison, the mm-hmm. first doctor to be, you know, an old soul in a young body. And right. David Tennant, I think it's really successful. Uh, it, it clearly in popularity. He has, I'm, Super cheeky, like to make jokes, sing the Ghostbusters theme song while I'm fighting monsters. Super <laughs> cheeky, wacky, yeah. or else I'm crying in the rain. I am a serious, angry, lonely god. And he really played both of those extremes. He is the extremely. one that everyone either wants to sleep with, hang out with, or be. Yeah. Or complain about, uh, because. <laughs> oh, do, are a lot of fans not fans of Tenant? If you start with the classic series, he was one of the biggest breaks to make the Doctor, uh, as, as, uh, cheeky and as romantic. Like, there had been always been a little bit of romance, mm-hmm. but he made a lot of jokes about just straight up being, like, horny. Right. And, oh, like, okay. had, a, like, a, an explicitly, uh, romantic with the eventual possibility of physical Wow. Interaction, which the so, British don't like. <laughs> That's too much by far. The upper, the only thing stiff is your upper lip. <laughs> <laughs> but if you remove any of that classic series bias, mm-hmm. clearly everybody loved that, and he made the show what it is. So you and can't just fault a blast it too much. Of a, yeah, a just amazing amount of energy. There, there is a great episode that you will know the name of probably when I bring when I bring it up, where he is in a hospital, and one of his old companions is there as like a nurse. So he, he's got his old companion with his new companion, and then K9 is brought back into the mix. Yeah. He's and, in a oh, school he a and she's a reporter. School. But... <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Did he have a dog companion? Yeah. yeah. He, he had, had a, a robot, robot dog. dog named K9. Yeah. Oh, affirmative. This show sounds really fun, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> you should watch it. Let's just sit down and watch all the thousands you know what? I of know episodes. This, because every episode I've watched, I've been just in love with. Yeah. Uh, the Girl Who Waited was my introduction. Oh, yeah. So we're about to get to my first Doctor. Okay, yeah. Uh, which that that episode, a two-part episode, right? Yeah, it was. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, boy, it, I, I felt like I was just watching a great movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we get to the 11th Doctor and, uh, that's Matt, Matt Smith. Matt Smith. Uh, Matt Smith, I have not met, but I almost, uh, drank a beer that he left over at a party at San Diego Comic Con. Just so you could be like, <laughs> this is Matt Smith's beer. Yes. That is hilarious. Or you have a drinking problem. <laughs> Uh, anyway, my wife uh, kindly I mean, stopped me. I was like, you don't need to do that. That won't change anything about your life. Uh, <laughs> but I wanted to. But he, Three seasons of Matt Smith. Three seasons of Matt Smith. He he continues the uh, the David Tennant energy, but he really goes for the like, I'm a quiet soul who really knows, has I've lived a long time, and I just want the people around me to be happy. And he goes back to being really alien. There are stories where he just doesn't get how people interact. Right. Like there could be an episode where he comes to do, we got this, and he would be like, we're talking to the microphones. We got a Zoom recorder on the table. And like Matt Smith, doctor, would be talking into the Zoom recorder. Right. It's just sort of like, oh, oh, I don't get human things. Which sounds like a wonderful <laughs> combination of what David Tennant brought to it with this youth and uh, sex appeal. Yeah. Plus this very old school British version of the, you know, the alien fish out of water. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like some Tom Which Baker was Tom Baker. Yeah. yeah. You're right. Um, all right. So um, three seasons of Matt Smith. Uh, and then we got. Did, did he have? Sorry, did he have the best companions? And Amy Pond and Amy Pond and was great. Arthur Darville. I mean, there is uh, the the fandom around modern Doctor Who is so powerful that yeah. is a really incendiary question sure. to ask who the best companions are. But it's certainly novel. It was really rare in uh, interesting for him to have a couple who was in a committed relationship with Amy and uh, her husband Rory, in that they're all, like this triumvirate of people who who loved each other, but. You know, and he even got to the point, which was a totally new for Doctor Who, where he dumped him off on Earth and came back from every once in a while. So there's a ton of novel, you know, breaking the rules with his companions. Hmm. Interesting. A uh, fun Karen Gillan story that also tells you how big of a Whovian I am. Uh, the first time I met her, she was doing Thrilling Adventure Hour, and I thought she was a Kickstarter backer who had <laughs> paid to be at rehearsal. <laughs> I was like, oh, she's very good looking. She was just sitting. Yeah. She's very kind. And, and that was our, that was, uh, one of my favorite rehearsals we ever had because in that rehearsal, it was Chris Hardwick, Weird Al, and, uh, and Karen Gillan. And as rehearsal ended, we were rehearsing at in the back of Nerd, uh, Nerdist, uh, or uh, the Meltdown, uh, comics, Meltdown yeah. comics. Yeah. I get Nerdist, Meltdown, and Nerd Melt. Of course, they're all jumbled in my brain. Sure. We're in the back of Meltdown comics rehearsing. And, uh, as we finished rehearsal, we broke and we were all about to leave. And Ben Blacker stopped the three of them and was like, Hey, can you guys stagger your exits? Because I think if the Nerdist, Amy Pond, and Weird Al all walk out of the back room at once, people's heads are going to explode. It sounds like the start of a joke. Yeah, it? right? It really does. Uh, anyway, shout out to Karen Gillan. Yeah, yeah uh, she's a great companion. Yeah. Uh, so now actor. we move to the most recent uh, Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Um, I, had to, <laughs> you had to, I had to throw in one. Keep it coming. Um, the most recent Doctor, Peter Capaldi. Peter Capaldi. Tell us about Capaldi. Tell you know us about I, Peter I call Capaldi. him the f***ity doctor because I only know those memes that were going around right before <laughs> no, he came back. I've never yes. seen any of his episodes because he actually says that word, which has been edited, of course. But some of you know what it is. Yeah, yeah. I, I am spacing on the other show he was on, but he was played a, a character uh, on a show that swore a, a bunch. So that yes. was, the, you know, the meme going into. Uh, he is, I would fight with myself to name him my favorite doctor. He is amazing. Wow. Uh, I think he's one of the best actors to ever play the doctor. He's one of the best comedians, certainly, to play the doctor. His first season, they wrote him jokes. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, he doesn't need us to write jokes. He will decide which lines are funny, and he will make them funny wow. with wow. his power. Very cool. Yeah, he just has such presence. And he is uh, its a great story of him. He is an uber nerd for a long time. He wrote in angry letters to like Doctor Who magazines like questioning the decisions of the editors Re- back as in a the old child. Days. Oh, I love this guy. Yeah. So like he, the fan got to have the part. Yeah. Yeah. And as a fan, what he wanted to be is he's like, I don't want to decide what my doctor is. I want to be all the doctors. And he really successfully did capture elements of each mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Interesting. So, okay. These are all the doctors. Mm-hmm. Joey yeah. Whitaker, of course, is recused. Can be re- revisited later. <laughs> In my mind, it sounds like the finalists are. Correct me if I'm wrong. I see four finalists. Mm-hmm. I see Tom Baker, mm-hmm. David Tennant, Matt Smith, and Peter Capaldi. Wow, three wow. from the is new. That, is that correct? Or do we just say <clears throat> if there were two finalists, it would be Matt Smith and uh, 
and Tom Baker. And Tom, Tom Baker. Baker's a finalist. Uh, you can't. David Tennant must be David in the Tenet, finals yeah. because the show might not have made it without David Tennant. Sure. I mean, and I was not a super big fan of him myself when he came on. I, I've come to my peace with David Tennant. Right. <laughs> well, because, because he was such a departure from the show that you grew up loving. Yeah. And when he was yeah. on, I was like, that's what this show is going to be now. And then when his tenor was done, I was like, oh, that's an interpretation of the doctor. And now I can go back and enjoy it as an interpretation instead of the forever huh. new direction right. of Doctor Who. So so would the three of them be finalists? Is there anybody from the classic era that you think should also be brought in? Uh, yeah, I think, I think Patrick Troughton, I think the second doctor. Because the one who introduced also, the comedy to it. Yeah, the show would have died and he truly did introduce comedy. Okay. Yeah. With that in mind. So yeah, what are, how, what are our criteria? I, I think it's, I, in my mind, it's who's the most doctor. Who is the most doctor? Who's the most doctor? That, doctor. and that would be. Uh. So there's, there's that, there's maybe strength of story, like if there are great story arcs that the character mm-hmm. participated in. Um, I don't. We think can't it, delve into companions. I don't think we should delve into companions. I think they're their own category. Mm-hmm. Who is the best companion may be different yeah. than who is the best doctor. I think that you know you, they may not be matched. I think that you can argue the chemistry because uh, the mm-hmm. the quality of the companion by themselves that's one thing. But if you have a good companion with good chemistry with the doctor, it massively elevates the doctor. And right. some people that I would have on the list got damaged because they don't have the best chemistry with their companions. Right, and that hmm. is important. What are, of any of the finalists that we've named, of those four, are there any that would be eliminated because they don't have chemistry with their companions? Uh, this pains me so much. I'm oh, I'm, oh, I'm oh, gonna oh. literally weep blood on your couch out of pain. Wow. <laughs> oh, no, I don't. I don't think you know how pain works. <laughs> I'm just. If you're to... weeping blood, it's for other reasons <laughs> that are way more significant than the pain, and you should see a doctor. I admit it. I'm a but James Bond villain. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's Le Chiffre. It's Le Chiffre. <laughs> That's actually just something Mads Mikkelsen can do. <laughs> a lot of people don't realize it's that. A, it's a party trick. Yeah. They just worked it in. Like, uh, yeah, like that, the kid from Stranger Things. Like, oh, you got this thing. We're just going to work it into the storyline. Yeah. Mads Mikkelsen on his, on the bottom of his resume, it says driver's license, <laughs> accents, improv, blood and weeper. Blood weeper. Oh, oh my God. Uh, uh, what pains you? I think as much as I think Peter Capaldi is amazing, uh, his uh, story arcs have kind of been up and down mm-hmm. uh, in, in how, how well they've strung together. He's had some absolutely classic episodes. His last season was amazing, and he had an amazing companion. But some of the scripts have been really un- uneven, mm-hmm. and that has harmed him. So if you're going to go on like the quality of the stories and the quality of the companions, he had one companion that a lot of people think kind of overstayed chemistry. the story. Chemistry yeah, and yeah, and it's nobody's fault. Her story sure. just got changed eight times. Okay, so so does that mean Peter Capaldi is eliminated? Got to eliminate someone, right? Yeah, yeah, I know people say we kowtow to our guests, but in this case, Joseph we are knows going a to do it because we do. you know way more than we do. Yeah, but I mean, but it's your your podcast, so you, I mean, you tell me uh, what yeah, else you, I, well, you told correct. me that. Okay, <laughs> it feels like it feels to me like yeah. You, what, so what we have left is we have the most Doctor Who Doctor. Okay, we have the one who changed everything and built this uh built this program back up yeah and then we have Matt Smith who was a combination of the two is that fair to say yeah yeah so who all is still is in the running those so, three right sounds like it's Troughton Baker and oh no no Smith. not no, oh, and Smith Tenet. is out Tenet is out so Troughton Baker Smith and Tenet yes yeah so I forgot Capaldi about Troughton is eliminated okay so now we're down to four okay uh so I'll, I'll offer you guys some stuff and see if you think that okay. that bears lamination. So a lot of episodes are lost from William Hartnell and Patrick Troughton's era. So Patrick Troughton, you just have fewer stories that mm-hmm. you can watch. He's got a great companion. He's got a Scottish companion named Jamie How who's with him for most of the time. He did 119 episodes. Um, I, <laughs> it's really that few? Uh, no, for like his full serials, like full stories that mm-hmm. you can watch beginning to end, I don't know off the top of my head, but like eight that's right, because oh, wow. they okay. taped over their tapes, yeah. didn't they? It was like... The, the BBC, BBC taped over their tapes? They had like yeah. one VHS. They had like one tape, and they just get oh like, God. well, we're going to break it out again. I guess yeah. we'll uh, tape over it. Yeah, the thought that some American people would be like debating who's the best doctor, you know, in 1968 was not on anybody's mind <laughs> yeah. about the longevity of this series. Uh, so, I mean, Troughton has less uh, episodes, to, fewer episodes to watch. Does that yeah. make a difference? 
Um, you guys are the absolute judges of decision making. It, it feels like it does. It feels like as far as like the the impact on society that that character has had and each individual's contribution to that, while his contribution of comedy is huge, he yeah. doesn't have the canon that the yeah. other guys have. Yeah, I think he and I think he's in there and I think we've paid him his due very well for what he what he instilled. Mm-hmm. And while he was good at it, it doesn't mean that yeah. somebody – just because he brought humor doesn't mean he was the funniest. I'll ask you, you know this I mean? as well. And, mm. and, and so, so to be the first is great does not mm. mean you're the best. It means you're oh. the first. It means you're important in the history mm-hmm. and you should be noted for that. But I don't think it means you're the best. Can and I just call he, you when I need to make decisions in life, Hal? Yes, <laughs> of course. Is he going to be number one? Is he going to be number one? Yeah. Is he going to be the best? Or if, if like that's ultimately right. also our answer yeah. too when we right. get down to like twos, threes, and fours. If they're not going to be number one, okay, we're yeah, we've, I think yeah, we've given him his due. He's literally not the most Doctor Who. Right. So yes, yes, I think poor Patrick Troughton has to shout out to Patrick Troughton. Shout out to Patrick Troughton and his fillet of fish sandwich. <laughs> so we're down to. And tenet? if he had had a Big Mac, he would be yeah. Patrick <laughs> Beefton. Can I just interject very quickly that yes. I, I did? I have got to meet Sylvester McCoy at Dragon Con as well, yes. and I ate pizza with him. While watching an episode of Matt Smith Doctor Who, Weird. which is pretty high end, yeah, wow. So we're now now we're now down to three. Yeah, Sylvester McCoy's favorite Doctor, Matt Smith, <laughs> David Tennant, and Tom Baker. I, I think, I think at this point that we should eliminate either Tennant or Smith. I think so too. I feel like yeah. one of them is going to have to go up against Tom Baker. I, I came into this thinking in my brain the finals are going to be Tennant versus Baker, but that- then I thought. I bet Joseph is going to like Matt Smith better than David Tennant. I do personally like that interpretation of the Doctor better, but I feel like as an ambassador of Doctor Who to to fellows who don't know Doctor Who as well, I, I, I need to represent that David Tennant is hugely popular. Mm-hmm. Sure. The other thing working against Matt Smith is his seasons are all extremely convoluted, so plot-wise. So it is mm-hmm. very hard to just dip in and enjoy an episode. Right. Now, uh, David Tennant has some great standalone episodes that his single episode, Blink, is used almost constantly to hook new Doctor Who fans. Really? Yeah. It has converted, you know, probably millions of people to Doctor Who is their first thing. Is Blink. Blink. Great. It's one specific That was the episode. episode right after the tipping point, but before Outliers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> what other podcasts can you get? <laughs> Eye bleeding jokes and references to Malcolm Gladwell. None of them. Um, all right. So it's, so it's newfangled and flashy versus the most so Doctor Who. Are we officially eliminating Matt Smith? Is he going to be the number one? I, I feel like I would be pushing my personal bias. And that's okay. Mm. If sometimes you, your favorite can be the best. My favorite Star Wars film is Empire Strikes Back. I would argue that it is also the best. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, so would in that people. case, I feel like, oh. <laughs> but they don't have to anymore because that was like our third episode. Yeah, we settled that <laughs> settled it permanently. Um, I, I, I don't want to sway you away from Matt Smith if you feel like he, you, you have a better examination of their body, bodies of work than we do. I've seen more Tenant than I have Smith. Okay. And that's probably why I'm drawn to him because I'm like, I think he's charming. I think he's a he's a also a very he's a very good actor, and this is not saying I don't think that about Matt Smith. Um, and now, now I wonder if I'm colored by how good he was in Jessica Jones, and going, boy, this guy can do everything. Mm-hmm. He can play the Doctor and then play the Purple Man like brilliantly. Yeah. So you, okay, you tell me. I I I think both of us will accept your guidance. Okay. I'm gonna eliminate Matt Smith. Still, okay. all right. and you know what? Right. Because one word, GIF. David Tennant created one of the best GIFs ever when he did his crying in the rain moment. <laughs> he is, <laughs> it is one of his most melodramatic moments. It's a truly heartbreaking moment in the show that's legitimately worked really well. And then there's this scene that's just a bit too much where the doctor's literally sad faced weeping in the rain. And it is the greatest <laughs> GIF ever for when something, <laughs> fantastic, something you don't like happens. So buy a GIF. I'll give it to David Tennant. That's over what Matt you do. Smith. When all things are equal, you have to go to the GIF tiebreaker. <laughs> I totally get it. So all right, Matt so, Smith eliminated, and no matter who was eliminated, there they're all great people, at this point. They're all the great yeah, ones, and a bunch of people would have been hangry yeah. either way. Yeah, did There's you say no hangry? 
because yeah. I like the idea that people are driving. They're, you know they have not. They're like in the drive-through, but haven't hit it yet. I'll tell you why I said it. I'm going to tell you exactly. Are you why currently I said it. hangry? No, I'm not hangry. But I, Jennifer, uh, I dropped off at the airport today because we're recording this before Christmas Day mm-hmm. to go home, and I'm joining her next week. And she made a bunch of food mm-hmm. for me to have dinner, and it is there for including you, including turkey waiting. chili. And I was Ooh. thinking in that minute, like <laughs> when I get home. I'm gonna have turkey chili. And it's gonna be really oh, delicious. <laughs> That's uh, what was going through my well, head. Well, I really like that people are watching this or listening to this while they're in the drive-through to get fish fillet and angry about the wrong doctor yeah. being selected. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if you're mad about it, have a banana in the car at all times so that before you get your fish fillet sandwich, you can eat. Now, don't, Mark just looks very confused. I don't know if I, I don't even follow. I was really confused by I'm that. Saying. Like I'm saying, like a fish hungry. fillet sandwich and a banana no, is I'm saying, your dinner. Have a banana on the way, like when you're because if you're hangry, yeah, you're gonna make poor food decisions. No, you, have a banana. Banana's gonna turn brown. We'll, look, we'll do best car food <laughs> later. Fair which, by the way, is chicken fries. Um, <laughs> what? Wow! Every time I think I know him, wow. <laughs> There must oh, be an amazing they literally gift of chicken come fries. In, yeah. uh, they come in a, in a holder that is shaped like a cup so that it will fit in your car cup holder. Wow. They just know you. If you order chicken fries, you've given up. Yep. Fair enough. Um, so that's shout what- out to anyone who's hangry right now and about to order chicken fries. Um, all right. Is it, are we going classic or are we going reboot? Yeah. This is, this feels like the, the question for a lot of sci-fi and pop culture things. Do you go with the classic or do you go with the reboot? And and let's look at it through the criteria that we've been okay. talking about. Mm-hmm. Okay. So by companions, the fourth doctor has one of the most beloved companions ever, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Sarah Jane Smith, who came back in that David Tennant episode you were describing how. Right. Uh, he also has a robot dog, canine. Yes. He also travels with a uh, time lord or a fellow time lord uh, called Time Lady at the time, uh, Romana. So he's got a bunch of really cool, interesting companions. Uh, in terms of episodes, his first few seasons, I think, are arguably like Empire Strikes Back, just sort of the best Doctor Who. Okay. Oh, wow. They were really gothic, so they introduced this element of horror that really gets played up in the modern series. They have a lot of comedy to them. They have a lot of great, amazing monsters. Genesis of the Daleks is probably the one of the most important episodes of the Doctor, so... Tom Baker's really got the mm-hmm. best episodes, arguably, on Locke. And then most... he's got most Doctor Who. Yeah, I, I think he does. Because, I mean, he's active, he's funny, he's quirky, he's warm and charming, he he's alien, he's got the jelly babies, he's uh, not overtly sexual, but there's, mm-hmm. like, Tom Baker's definitely just got a little bit of a vibe to him, that he's mm-hmm. just got a little bit of romance sure. pouring off that... A little that, Brit Swagger. A little swag. Brit Swagger coming off that scarf. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, do we just... Does it sound like we have our winner? I think we do. I, I, I do feel... I, so, in the... I'll say it this way. <laughs> I'll say it this way. In the classic Genesis of the Daleks episode, that plot is that he travels... The timeline sent him back in time to murder the Daleks before they begin. So he is going to commit genocide against his enemies. And there's a famous scene where he basically has the two wires where he's going to touch them together, commit genocide. The Daleks will be eradicated and that will prevent future death. But in the moment, it's him making this choice, having this responsibility. And he says, have I the right? And that is how I feel about picking (laughs) the best Doctor Who. Have I the right? How? We have. The we right. feel untethered <laughs> yeah. to that uh, murder of the Daleks. <laughs> All right, people of the world, have I the right? Yep. You asked. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you get. I want to speak. I know there are a lot of people who are Tom Baker uh, loyalists out there, who are probably pumping their fists and feeling vindicated. I want to speak to the rest of you. Yes, please do. You knew that you were going to be angry. <laughs> you knew, and you could insert. You can. Travel with the doctor to another timeline where you touch the wires together on this decision <laughs> and your favorite doctor comes out. And the great thing about Doctor Who and the doctor as a character is that there are so many great actors who have given so many interpretations of it that there's something for everybody. And certainly while the current uh, run is the most popular worldwide and has kicked off a huge phenomenon and you can look back and say – the older ones were a little bit less expensive, and they they 
toiled in a little bit more obscurity, at least the state side. But again, when you ask somebody to think of Doctor Who, they think of the scarf and the hat and the the odd curly hair and that scary theme song <laughs> as your as your three year old son stares terrified into a vortex of space and just hears <laughs> wee it's very scary, but that's Doctor Who. Exactly. There, there you, go. you go. Your best doctor is the fourth doctor, Tom Baker, asked and answered. Joseph Scrimshaw, thank you for coming here and risking <laughs> life, <laughs> digital life and limb. All I ask is that if you're upset and you ever want to talk to me about it, please do it when you are hangry so that you are yelling at me while also physically eating. And that will lessen the impact for you at conventions. And if you don't have anything for that, Hal has a banana for you in his car. Yeah. (laughs) Which is a Uh, very Doctor Who thing. What what, what do you want to promote? What's going on? Tell Uh, us about uh, where people can find you. Well, my David Tennant fan site that I'm going to start uh, so people don't get upset because he is really great. Uh, I have two podcasts. I have the Obsessed podcast and I have a Star Wars podcast feed called Force Center. Uh, I got a couple of shows coming up i've got a new year's eve show uh, right here in los angeles at nerd melt and then i'm doing a live episode of obsessed at uh, sf Sketchfest. if you have never seen uh joseph scrimshaw perform stand-up comedy you are missing something oh, he is a thank you absolute delight and makes us laugh every time we get to see him oh play. thank you so yeah. much yeah. Yeah. yeah uh so if you're if you're curious about shows you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com or go to sf Sketchfest. i'm there the same weekend as we got this so right. you can come see obsessed and we got this yeah, and Obsessed is a fantastic podcast that I enjoy as a listener, as well as having been a guest three times now? Yeah, at least, and more in the future. Yes, and uh, Joseph does a great show uh, with another former guest of ours, Angela Weber, in L.A., called Game Night, and that's that's happening on New Year's Eve. Yeah, that's the New Year's Eve show is and Game Night. It, it yep. also happen- it's also happening uh, uh, randomly, but I've worked with Joseph many times, and proud to call him a friend, and I cannot thank you enough for coming on the show. Oh, thank you guys both. You are both wonderful, charming human beings and two of the funniest people I've ever met, and I am honored. Oh, thank you very Aww. much. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, this topic is covered, but there are many more topics to discuss, so please reach out to us on Twitter at We Got This Tweets or check out the Maximum Fun subreddit. A flame war could be happening right now. Or you can email us at WeGotThisPodcast at gmail.com or go to our Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash WeGotThisPodcast. Thank you to producer Ken Plume, researcher Kate McManus, who put together a hefty Kate, a Hoovian, a real Hoovian. Yeah, uh, to make Herculean us feet. sound like we even knew 10% of what yep. we were talking All about. All I knew was who did how many episodes. That's right. <laughs> uh, and graphic designer Uri Kelman and QA engineer Jen Alba. And thank you, of course, to our musicians, Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman for our score and theme song, respectively. And thanks to you, our listeners. Um, you are our companions. And uh, we will travel through space and time with you. For Hal Lublin, I'm Mark Gagliardi. For Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Lublin. And don't worry, everybody. We got, we got this. this. We got this. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.